Hi, this is Tori. Today I want to talk about the relationship you have with your mother. The most important relationship you probably will ever have in your life besides having a relationship with your spouse or your children. Your mom is the one that shapes this journey. From the moment that she peed on its stick and saw that plus sign to the first time she heard your heartbeat to carrying you to having baby showers and then finally giving birth to you and seeing you open your eyes for the first time those were special moments for her. Now, I'm not a parent, so I don't understand that yet, but I understand what it is to carry life and for it to go away. Now, that's a part of my personal story, but I know people who are mothers. And my mom obviously helped shape how I am. Like, little parts of her are still part of my personality. And that has helped me to get along in life when I miss her most and to have the relationships with people who are parental-like. Again, I've mentioned moms in my life like Monica and Melissa and other people who are very close to me. My grandmother, Mumsy, and my mom's had a lot of friends who have you know, come around me as an inner circle since she's been gone and even before she was gone who were important to me. Now, my mom raised me as a single parent and, you know, I can remember as a child going through things and her always making it so much better for me. Now, being a single mom, and I know a lot of people who are single moms, as much as those who are married, you have to put your children first, obviously. Most parents do. And there is that basis of... You know, women who can't do that because they don't have that option. But as a single mom and not having that support system in place to be there, you have to have a multitude of hats. You're running a household, you're taking care of your kids, you're working. Now, I remember her when I was young, she worked several jobs, sometimes two and three to make sure that we had a roof over our head. We were able to eat. We... I mean, we would have eaten anyway, but to make sure that we had the extras in life. Um, To make sure that I had, you know, special birthdays. My mom loved taking me to the beach for my birthday because I'm born in July. And, you know, I'm July 3rd, she's July 8th. She always considered me her birthday present. So for her to bring me to the beach so we could celebrate was a big thing. Anybody who knew my mom knew she would go all out for my birthdays. All out. She would make her potato salad. She would do things that... You know, most moms would do, but she wanted to be over the top for that because, you know, her thing was, I was her baby. She needed to make me feel special, being her boo-boo. She, I don't know, one year she made these ice cream cone cupcakes. And that's something that I won't forget. That's something that I definitely would want to pass on to my own children. Like, I don't know, it was like vanilla and chocolate and then icing, but it was in a, it was in a cone. And that's like, those are the memories that I always want to remember. You know, having those things, picking up seashells on the beach. We would go on nature walks, didn't matter if it rained or not. Her favorite thing to do with me, no matter what, after she got out of work, if, it's, if the sun was up, we would go out. I would take my bike out or I would take my roller skates out and we would go around the block as many times as it took to get me tired. She didn't have to do that. She did that because she loved me. She wanted to spend time with me because... 
my other caretaker was my grandmother other than daycare or a friend um so she wanted to make sure that I always had that that love that understanding that hey mom's still there for you even if she has to work a million jobs just so you have the best in life my mom always told me to strive for a lot in my life to go forward when things were tough I got sick when I was younger um I had stomach problems. So that was a lot of tests back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I mean, that lasted a good portion of, you know, my younger life. At the age of eight, I was eight or eight or nine, I started getting sick. And that was a genetical thing with ulcers. I had ulcers and, you know, I was the type of kid that would get sick with strep throat and it would spiral into everything. So my mom would basically have to work her schedule around my doctor's appointments. Finally, we found a specialist up in Boston who was able to help us and help me to be able to be normal again, for the most part. I mean, I still had a lot of medication that I took to you know, keep the acid reflux and other things that I had going on in my belly to a dull roar. So I went through that till about the age of I would say 13, 13 or 14, when I kind of grew out of it. Now, we all know the ages of between 10 and 16 are tough for anybody. And I was very resistant towards my mom. Um, being a teenager and still having a mom who was raising me by herself, essentially, other than, you know, the input of friends and, again, my grandparents and, the, you know, the people who were there for me, my godparents, you know, my grandfather. I was a tough kid. I was a tough teenager, so to speak. I mean, my thing was, I knew I had the answers to everything. You don't always have the answers to everything growing up. You got to go through the growing pains. And... In junior high and even going into high school, you know, when your mom's trying to protect you from the bad in the world, I was that kid that was like, well, I'm going to try my own way of things. So, I mean, we have, we're always close, but I was, you know, I had that attitude about me. And that's something looking back on, I'm kind of ashamed of. But I know that being a kid, growing into my own, that I probably didn't know any better. And, I mean, when I got older, I apologized. I apologized when I was about 16. I was like, Mom, I mean, I was really a jerk growing up from, you know, my preteens to that. I mean, I, oh, I went through a lot of stuff during that time, but that doesn't make it excusable. You always want to have that relationship with your mom. You always want to have that, that to be aligned with her because you never know. And, you know, she accepted it. She was still my mom. We were still, you know, okay, still best friends. I mean, a lot of people don't want want to have that relationship with their parents, but at the same time, sometimes there's a fine line between being your child's best friend and being your parent. My mom could do both. It was just that because I grew up an only child and people just saw from the outside that she and I were just like the same person. But that honestly was not the case. We were not the same person. We were two different individuals. 
if you really sat down and spoke to the both of us on an individual level, other than my mom talking about how she had to be there for me and had to do these things for me, we are not the same person. If we were the same person, I don't think that after she passed away, I could have been able to survive the way that I have. I definitely would have retreated more into what I was beforehand than I am now. So there was a time when I was about, I would say, how old was I? I think it was, I was 20, 21, where there was, there was a lot that went into my life. And again, those are private things that I don't really talk about. And I don't think this is a forum for it, but um, I had, um, uh, how can I put it? I had, a per- I had some personal problems that I had to take care of. And my mom, she blamed herself for, you know, what had happened. And in reality, it wasn't her fault. Sometimes some things are better left unsaid. And that was protect her and myself in the long run. And looking back, maybe I should have said something, but I didn't. And I don't think that makes me a weak person. I think that it taught me a lot about myself. It did. It really did. Um, I went into therapy. And she did too. And we went to therapy together. And it repaired our relationship to the point where, you know, we could move forward. Now, if you think about it, your parent is the first person, your first real fan in life. This is going back to the beginning. The relationship you have with them as a child, as you're developing, they're the first person that you're going to go to when you're walking. You, you fall down, you fall down, right? When you're a baby. But those are the hands that you reach out for, is your mom, your mom. You always want to have that reach. And sometimes, like I said, some people don't have that maternal instinct with their children or, they, or people have another type of maternal relationship with someone else. And you're reaching for them instead. As you grow older, during your developmental years, my mom worked a lot. And like I said, a lot of people's parents work a lot. And then there are ones who are, who are stay-at-home moms. And those are the lucky parents who get to experience all of those moments. You know, my finest moments with my mom, I would say, would be when she actually got to see me in like my kindergarten concerts or she got to see me graduate or me singing chorus because I tried out for that I mean I sang at church but I singing at church and singing at school two different things my mom got to see some of those things other times another person would be in her place because she worked but looking out into the crowd as a child and I know anybody who is a kid looks with their pants scans at school plays is my mommy there? Is my dad there? But most of all, most times, you're looking for your mom. And the times that she could go, I was very thankful. It would be the brightest smile on my face because I had that relationship with my mom. She and I were just that, that close. Okay, so as you get older, you start riding the bike. Training wheels come off. If your dad's not helping you, your mom's helping you. She's going to take those wheels off and you're going to have the trust in her, the trust. You're going to have that bond that when she lets go of you, 
even if you fall, she's going to be right there to pick you up. She's going to put the band-aid on your leg. She's going to give you kisses, the kiss the boo-boos. Those are the type of things that I remember from my mom. Anybody should remember from their mom. And going into junior high and being afraid to leave a school, uh, my grade school, that was really hard for me to leave grade school because that's the place you grew up in. That's the place you developed in. Those are the science fairs and where you, you played, you know, soccer or manhunt. Those are the places that made you who you were. Before you're going to start. So starting junior high and, you know, going into higher level classes and, you know, loving things like biology and having some of the same teachers that my mom did. Mr. Perry, a couple of other people. That was out of this world. Um, and them to be able to meet my mom at like parent-teacher conferences and open houses and be like, oh, that's your kid. She's very smart. And me to be like, whoa, see? You know, she's done something, right? We always worked as a team. Always worked as a team. It's me and my mom. Me and my mom. So as I finished out my junior high career and my mom got to see me graduate, going on to high school. So high school, like I said, those are times where, you know, you're really interested into boys. Um, or you're shy. Or you go through the, that, that emo stage or whatever stage you're going through. You, you suffer your first heartbreak. There's prom. There's other dances. There's your SATs. You go to your mom and you look for that support. My mom provided that to me. I loved taking tests. That was my thing. I loved taking tests, and I loved writing, and she always supported that as a habit. She told me to apply to schools that I felt were, you know, a good fit for me, which I did. But, I mean, along the way, obviously, life got sidetracked when, you know, after I graduated from high school. So, after high school, I decided to go to work instead. Because I wanted to help support my mom, support the household, and help out more, which I did. I got a job, my first job. I worked at Chuck E. Cheese, and, you know, I learned to develop, you know, interpersonal skills that, you know, I didn't have from obviously being in high school and not really worrying about, like, the little things like your first job until after high school. So during that time, afterwards, I started going to UMass. I went there for two years, and that goes into the period of where my mom got sick. So as I had explained in one of the other episodes, my mom got sick. And we all know that taking care of a sick parent is probably one of the most difficult things besides taking care of a sick child. To see your parent basically disintegrate into something that they weren't to see the strength go away the strong person that my mom was at 5'11 the person who could dunk in heels who chased me everywhere who would go up the monkey bars with me when no one else wanted to play with me to see that her become a former her former self and just be a shell of what she was was tough and during the next I would say time period like the first year was it was pretty hard to watch her be sick and 
you know, not knowing whether or not she was going to survive because she was in and out of the hospital during that time for, when she was diagnosed with CHF. And, you know, they always gave me the theory that she may not survive and you need to prepare yourself. Now, at that point, I was 21. So to me, at 21, I was still her baby, but I was, an, I was a full-fledged adult, okay? So taking the decision... Making the decision to leave school to take care of her was most important to me because I couldn't balance both and working. So then I decided to go into work full time and that's when I took my job at Subway. So, I mean, the owners were always great towards me, Phyllis and Dawn, and very supportive of you know whether or not I had to take time off to be with my mom or to take phone calls when her doctor would call. I'm thankful for that time in my life where I was so lost and couldn't figure out what was going on because I had to make decisions as an adult, just turning into a logistic adult, a legit adult, I'm sorry, legit adult, not logistic, sorry, legit adult. That was the first time that I had to make real decisions. So we're going to do like five years down the line. Her health was up and down. She had been hospitalized, I don't even know how many times at this point, but it was always me visiting or her friends visiting or, you know, my grandparents visiting. Now, my mom had a tumultuous relationship with her own mother for quite a while, and her being sick kind of renewed the need to have her mom. I remember there was a moment when she was really, really sick. And she thought she was going to die. She really, really thought this was probably the end. And she cried for my grandmother. And I called her. And my grandmother flew in that same night. She held my mother's hand. And they were able to reconcile. And to me, that was really important because I didn't want my mom to ever pass away without that relationship being repaired because that was so important when you have a disconnect in your family and it takes away from everything that it once was I mean we used to do Christmases and then nothing obviously as a child I didn't really question it but as an adult it was like weird so from that point on we would celebrate holidays together we had pictures that we took and, you know, we played games and it was just like no time had gone by. There was a period of time that we didn't ha- have that when I was a teenager. And I think maybe that's probably why I acted out a lot, because I didn't have that family unit that I was so used to. So years went by. She, like I said, my grandmother myself and my mom, we would always talk. We would, you know, during the holidays, we would meet up and it would just be like three generations of the same family. And we were there and it was, it was great to have that again, to feel love, you know, for her to feel love most of all, because she needed that just as much as my grandmother did. So we're going to fast forward probably about five years. And the strokes were becoming more regular. 
she was starting to have seizures at this point. They had, um, they had diagnosed her at that point. I believe that's when she was diagnosed with COPD. So she had the seizures and she was falling asleep. The carbon dioxide and dioxide in her mind was messing her up. She would fall asleep um, in places and she couldn't control things. I had to start making major decisions for her. Not just, oh, she's going into the hospital or sign these papers. Now it was, we need to put a defibrillator in your mom's body. We need to control her heartbeat. We need to make sure that you're okay with this. So the process was explained to me by her doctor. And she had the surgery. And he called me afterwards to tell me that she had gone, obviously come through from the surgery. And she had a long road ahead of her. She went into rehab. This is one of many times that she'd gone into rehab. And again, like I said, it is very, very, very hard to take care of a parent, to try to maintain a life outside of that parent, to work full time, and to try to take care of the household, the parts that you need to, so that you don't fall behind. And you kind of... You kind of lose yourself for a little bit. My, I lived my life for my mom at that point. So at that point, what everybody saw from the outside of the, oh, they're one person. We were still two people. We were just one, aligned as one because I had to be her voice. And that goes for anybody. When your child is sick, you're that person's voice. You speak for them when they are no longer able to speak for themselves. To me, speaking for my mom was very difficult because I still wanted her to have the independence when she was well, but then there were times that she didn't talk or her words were slurred because she had so many strokes. Her brain was damaged. She would talk with, I don't know, almost like a lisp. And at that point, as I got older, we're talking about, um, I would say 28, she was not working, walking with a walker. She could not walk unassisted for long periods of time. She also had other issues and I had to take care of her more. That meant taking away from my own life, but I didn't really mind because it was okay. So along that lines, I met John. And when I introduced him to her, I wanted him to understand that my mom was disabled. I had to take care of her. If he couldn't accept her, like she was an actual person, we couldn't be anything other than friends. Mom took to John, thankfully. But there was some resistance for a while because she really wasn't sure. She thought he was trying to take me away from her. that wasn't really the goal or the case. So two years after John and I got together, mom made her descent into what was basically irreversible. Not that anything that ever went on with her was irreversible because there are circumstances that weren't going to get better. She was always going to have CHF. She was always going to have COPD. 
those are things that don't get better. She was always going to have that defibrillator too, um, which would go off a lot. It would, it would started going off even more um, after we had moved in. And it was hard for her because she didn't want to be that person that, you know, got in the way of my relationship and my development as an adult adult. But she didn't. I mean, I never thought of it that way. My mom and I were a package deal. It was either one or the other or together. But I was never going to leave her behind, put her in assisted living. Because you don't do that to people as long as you can physically and mentally take care of them. And that goes for any relationship. If you can no longer take care of that person, then that's okay. But if you can, you continue to. So, at that point, she was diagnosed with cancer. And that was probably one of the hardest decisions of my life to, you know, watch her go through the things that she went through. It was really, really hard for me. My mom, who had seen me through so many things, was now completely scared. She was frightened to the point of no return. She could not make it better for herself. I could not make it better for her. And for me to have to go through that, to watch her skin turn colors because of the radiation, to see the burn marks on her body, she never wanted that for me. John used to go with her to chemo and radiation because it was easier for her because he was less connected. And after the treatments, she would take showers so that by the time I got home, I wouldn't see her skin. But then I would touch her. I would look in the eyes and I could see the pain. And that's something that when you have a loved one who goes through a terminal illness, you can't make that stop for them. You can't make time stand still. You hope that you can, but eventually they get sick. And they lose functions and her body, I could tell, it was getting harder for her. She was getting skinny, skinny. And she couldn't control certain aspects of her body. So, as time went on, I didn't think that the survivor rate that they had given her was really realistic to me. To me, it was just, you know, a number. And I hoped that she would survive, that she would see the big things in my life. But I knew in the back of my mind she would not. So um, when I got engaged, we were planning to move up the wedding so that she could be there, so she could attend, but she was so weak at the point that it wasn't a really viable idea and she really wasn't with the program. She was closer to death than even I had predicted. So, like, the last couple of days of her life, we wanted to make comfortable. So, when she did pass away, like I said those are moments that you don't forget and 
six months later, I got her ashes in a box. The ashes sit in our living room in our house. And that is my mom. Now, those aren't the memories that I want to have of her. But that is the only one I have left. So, it's important to make the most of the relationship you have with your parent. Even when you clash and have conflict, you know you're your mom. And like I said, that doesn't mean everyone or like maternal figure, grandmother, aunt, best friend. You always aspire to be like that person. And the mothers in my life, the mothers that have taken care of me, and the mothers who are friends of mine, my best friends who are mothers, I salute you because you have the hardest job in the world. Your love is so big. Your heart is so big. I wish I could be like you. I hope that if and when I'm blessed with a child, I could be half of the person that you are. Half of the person that my mom was. Remember, the person you emulate the most, the person who teaches you to put makeup on, the person who helps you pick out your dress if you're lucky, if you're lucky, the one that takes those generational photos, make sure you call your mom and tell her how much you love her every single day. Take care.